you're back with the Woodsman Perspective Podcast. This is Brent, and I'm in the studio with Mitt and Chris. And uh, you know, we're a few episodes in on this on this podcast project, and we were we were doing a little talking today about future topics and, and future podcast episodes. And and we kept coming back to one thing, uh, and and it's something that you know in in the past three episodes we've we've challenged y'all or invited you guys to to send us questions or comments. And we've gotten some good technical questions, which a couple of them we've addressed, and, and, and the other ones we've marked down to come back to on future episodes. But oddly enough, the question that we keep that this causes the most internal conversation is sort of a random question unrelated to habitats or wildlife or turkeys or deer. It, it was a simple question of, what are y'all doing? Why are you doing it? Yeah, well, well, Uncle, Uncle Bill, we're, we're doing a podcast. Well, why are you doing that? Why? And I'm telling you what, <laughs> I stopped this cold. For, for, for and, and I don't mind saying I, I'm in a room with two of the smartest guys I know, and, and and those two questions have led to more conversation and head scratching. And so, the conversation around that question has has sort of challenged us to to really focus more, and and to and to say out loud and intentionally what we want to do. And and we just decided that'd be a a, a good episode for a podcast. This, Three episodes in will be a good time to sit back and, and, and maybe reset and talk about what's the woodsman's perspective. Verbalize our purpose. That's right. So so that's what we want to do today. We want to talk about... Uh, what got us here. What got us here. What do we want to do? Why are we doing it? Well, for me, and, and me and Mitt spar back and forth on, on different things, but, but for me, for the last 20, 25 years, this has been my life. I mean, I... I've wanted a place. I've I've hunted all my life. You know, since I was probably twelve, like I said in the the, the podcast earlier, and and this has been in my life. The outdoors, the the, the woodsman, being a woodsman, uh, has been my life. And <clears throat> I've always learned that I, I ask a lot of questions to people and 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 learn things from from older people and that that I looked as as kind of being mentors to me. And took all that knowledge, experts. I try to find out. I try to find the best people, and what they do, and pick their brains to find out if I'm doing mine right or how to change it. And 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 in the wildlife business and in the in the wildlife life that that we're living every day, um, you know, most of that I didn't have but two or three people, Brent, you and me, that that I had all that information bottled up from trials and, and tribulations to to where we're at, and I didn't have anybody to, to, to talk to about it. Well, you know, around hunting and land, but I would say more so hunting, people are funny about the conversations they have and how much you share and how well, much you secret. talk about. It's That's a, right. It's a big secret. I mean, look, you, you can boil it down. It, it's directly connected to, you think about the hunting stories, what's well, all the other guy or the neighbor. That's generally in a negative connotation. So I mean, well, we're competitive it's a culture. in life. That's right. There's, you know, there's a deer hunting of sort of minding your own business. Well, I think it's an evolution. <clears throat> Just like our deer hunting, we all started out shooting every spike we we could see, and that evolution as a deer hunter. Now we're moving into more quality deer management and maybe trophy management. And it's evolution. I think us as as sportsmen, we evolve that same way. So at, at first, Chris, you said it's more of a competition. You want to protect that that knowledge that you have, those intellectual properties that you have that may give you that competitive advantage. But the older and more mature you get, you start finding, look, maybe I have something to offer. 
Maybe I have something that, that we can we can pass down. And I tell you something that, that I've come to realize that you know a lot of the, the knowledge that I have and maybe the, the, the tidbits of wisdom that, that I may have to offer, none of them are original thoughts. I mean, I didn't come up with those on my own. They came from people that are two or three steps ahead of me that I've just culminated and accumulated over time. Well, who would my to, to, to hoard that up? I mean, I, we need to be sharing that. Yep. Well, Somebody shared it, it with you. It, so. Somebody shared it with That's me. Right. You know, one of the first things that, that got me on this podcast stuff and, and is people sharing, and me and Mitch did several. We've done several uh, Forester Association meetings where we get up and we're the guest speakers and we go over what we know. And, and you know, being an expert, you know, people like to say being an expert, but what makes you an expert? Well, to me, what makes, what makes me an expert is, it's because I've used everybody else's knowledge that I've gained over the years, and I've looked at the best things that I think is, that's helped me on my places and helped me in my career, and then I use that. And it's like you said, it's, it's not an original yeah. thought, but I think any smart person, just like a podcast, it, it, it was a great way for us to take all that bottled information and put it out there because – you got to understand something. At, you know, I have two deer processing plants. So if I'm up there and I make myself be there when I don't have to, just because you would be surprised that the networking of people that come up there, they don't talk about that deer that's laying in the floor. They come up there to get information. They ask questions. They show me pictures. They ask me what I'm doing. The, the, I've had 15 different people from a volleyball game to a travel ball team in the last two weeks asked me about you got your cameras out yet have you started getting your stuff ready and that's just you know it's just the way of life they know they know that it's been a way of life for me for the last 20 yeah. years so people look at yeah. at yeah. whether you're it's right trust, or wrong you're a trusted source that's right that's i mean right. i don't know if i'm a trusted source but i'm a source well you talk you said <laughs> the word expert your on you're right, right. Well, I don't view myself as an expert on much of nothing but one thing, and that's making a bunch of mistakes. And that's one thing I think that, that has moved us to the, to the place that we're at, Chris, is, man, we're not afraid to try anything. And so if, if you've made a mistake, I've made it three times. And so the, the culmination of all those trying and efforts, what works, what doesn't work, where are we seeing our gains, where are we not, putting all that in one spot – well, when I, when I go to a what I call expert or, or a guy that's a mentor or, or has a great reputation in, in, in a field that I'm looking at, I don't want to know his success. I want to know his failure. Right. And, and learn a I, lot from yeah, what didn't work. I, I want to know what he tried that didn't work because what that does, that keeps me from wasting a pile of time. Because guess what, guys? You can't get time back. It's gone. But And money. You know, if if he's doing something that's that's didn't work, and in truth have it, it's not going to work for you either. Yeah. Well, and in this in this arena, a lot of the things are cyclical. These these year cycles. When when you're talking about habitat and, and hunting seasons, the seasonality of it, a mistake may cost you a season or cost you a year. So the stakes are high, or somewhat high. And I want to go back to something you said, Mitt. Uh, I'm not an expert on much of anything at all. But one of the things we talked about when we were kicking around, and, you know, this goes back to the sort of the form of this podcast, when we were kicking around names. That perspective in this name is very intentional because I am an expert on my perspective. 
and, and my perspective that I lend comes from the conversations like you guys have said, you know, with, with these mentor types or people that have done the things that I'm wanting to do. And, and for me doing these things and either, either having success or failing. And, and that's what's more my perspective. And I think that's what we all offer. And so that we've probably wrestled over that name for longer than anything else yeah. we've, we've talked about. <laughs> and so that, that name is very, very intentional. And so when you start talking about that perspective, you know, one of the reasons we chose that name, it kind of relieves us from that pressure of being the expert. None of us three view ourselves as experts at, at much anything, but it's our perspective. And, and, it, and I think our, our unique perspective is I'm a very analytical person. I love the, the hardcore research. I love the scientific side of it. I'm, I'm not necessarily a scientist, but I love studying that. And so that there's a, I think there's a middle ground in between, you know, taking that, that hardcore analytics, some of the data that I love so much, and then making it very practical on the ground. There's a gap in there, I think, that, and I think that's where we live from our perspective, what's worked, what hadn't worked. Well, the reason we work good together and, and the reason us three are sitting here because, and you know this, y'all laugh at me because all the stuff on my dash and everything else, I'm exact opposite of Mitt, but we get to the same results, but I, I'm, I, I shoot off the cuff. I can make a decision quick, whether it's right or wrong. <laughs> I mean, whether it's right or wrong, but I can't. I don't, I don't have to sit there and beat myself up at um, – at that, but I think a lot of that is because of knowledge that I had gained prior from different people. You gotta understand something. I I started working with Corps of Engineers when when I was right out of high school, and and I was lucky enough to work on the the ten time waterway when they was doing a lot of the wildlife mitigation stuff. Yeah. And and so I got to work under three really good biologists. You know, at Tim Brooks and Danny Hartley and and Greg Houston and and those guys spent some time with me, and they had different they had different perspectives on what they looked at, and they were all educated different, you know. And you know, Danny and they Hartley invested into you. That's right. And Danny Hartley was—I mean, he started the waterway, uh, being the, the the wildlife biologist on the Ten Time Waterway from one end to the other. And and Danny's the one that told me, you know, my path—I was going to be a wildlife biologist. And Danny told me, said, "Chris, you know, you've got to manage the forest to manage the wildlife." He said, "You need to get a forestry degree with a wildlife option," and and that's what I did. I went to Mississippi State, and, and that was the role I took. I didn't have anybody in my personal, you know, group that could give me that type of advice, but Danny did, and I've never forgot that. And, and I see you coming full circle with that, too, is now you're investing in other people. I've seen you, you know, mentor some young guys and bring them along and include them on your hunting and management experiences on your farms. I mean, you're doing the same thing and giving, giving that back. Well, if we don't – look, they, you look at every – expert out there and they're saying hunting is a dying breed hunting in general you know whether it's you don't have a yeah, place the culture's to hunt. definitely the culture, changing the, ch the culture's changing i mean we got more people you know running around here with signs and and screaming you know uh different things but it, well that's not just the anti it's not just the anti-hunter movement it's 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 the culture inside hunting circles and we well, can dive into that guys, a little bit too you, you right. get in that social yeah. media that that the the influencer culture now, you can get into a lot of things that are not good for this culture that we, that we are all uh, a part of, that means so much to us. 
and things that are just wrong, just bad information. It's going to steer somebody the wrong way. And, and at the end of the day, for us, if we know that's wrong and we know a better way to go about it, then I feel like we've got a duty to do something like this. And it may not be a podcast. It may be mentoring. You know, there's a lot of avenues where, where a woodsman and a conservationist can get in there and kind of be a stopgap between these, these younger guys and some of this misinformation or, you know, we can steer them the right way. We've got absolute control. That, that's well said. That, that hits real close to if I had to define my purpose and, and what I'm trying to, to accomplish, not in this podcast, but just in, in general, life. in life. Um, I've got three older daughters and then um, little Mitchell came around as a caboose. And so I've got some guys that are my age that have older sons that, I mean, they've killed bigger deer than I've killed. And what I've seen is they, they liked it at a young age. And then now as they move into 16, 18, 20 years old, We've lost them. They don't. They don't like to hunt anymore. They don't participate in a lot the sport. of success early. And I don't. I, I don't know. I really want to. I really want to understand that because I. I don't want my son to to have that same experience. If he doesn't love, he may play the flute in the band, and I'm gonna be his biggest cheerleader if he does. But if it's something that I'm doing to rob him of that joy that I get from hunting in the outdoors, I don't want to do that. And I want to make. I want to be very sensitive about doing that. And so, if you said it, Brent, that the kids now have so much opportunity and things pulling at them from video games to travel ball to, I mean, things that we just didn't have access to. I mean, we we got sent out there in the yard to play in the creek. Um, what I want to be able to make sure that we're, we're doing good is recruiting these guys back into the sport, what we talked about earlier, and how can we do that? And I think the, the management side of them, including them in on what we're doing on our properties, enhancing those, helping them be calculated in what we're doing and those things for a purpose helps recruit that back into it. It's not just about shooting a big deer. It's it's everything that we do and think about 365 days a year from a land management standpoint. Well, I didn't grow up as, as having a, uh, you know, my father was a hard worker and he was a butcher. He didn't hunt. So I didn't have that dad to carry me hunting that had a place to hunt. I mean, you know, I had that dad that showed us how to work and, and, and what a dollar's worth, but I didn't have that. So I had to reach out beyond, you know, and, and sometimes it was sometimes it was a little nerve wracking because you, you're going up to people that really don't know you and you're, and you're trying to pick their brain. But, you know, I look at all the I look at all the people in my life and I'm losing them every day. I mean, it's just it's just weird because, you know, most of the guys you get this information from was, you know, 20, 25 years older than than i was maybe 30 yeah and we're those guys now and we're, now we're those point. guys and and then so they wasn't up front because you got to understand something in the 80s and 90s when management and, and trophy management really hit the hit the you know hit the circuit people were secretive they didn't let you yep. know they didn't you know food plots were were you know we're playing ryegrass and crimson clover and if you had crimson clover, you was a you was you, you were was, a serious manager. You was running the you was running the <laughs> you limousine. Were a big deal. That's right. You wasn't you wasn't in you wasn't on that at one eighty five. You wasn't in the tree lounge. Shocks. No, that's right. And and uh, it was just a it was just a uh, we got tickled. What Brent's talking about the tree lounge. We got tickled talking about the intro. And and if, if anybody remembers back in the eighties, that tree lounge come out, and and we were talking about how how big and bulky that thing was. And I said, you know, you'd have to have an evening hunt because it took you all morning to set it up. <laughs> 
I still don't know how they shot him behind him and to the right. I want to figure that I out. I told you, that's, right. well, that's when that mirror come from Dollar General. <laughs> that 18-wheeler mirror. <laughs> you whip that mirror out and you can see the deer behind you. But uh, it, it's just, a, you know, things in, in, in my life are are based on, and I, and I have to say that, that, are based on what mentors and what people that I interviewed and, and, and took their information to heart. And that, that's the way I kind of formed my, my whole life. Um, and, you know, Mitch, you said the same thing about different things, you know, when you got in the ag business and, and uh, what, it, what it meant to you. Yeah, things were a lot different. Like in, in the 80s, we grew up, I, me and my brothers grew up in Louisiana, and, and dad, dad hunted, but he worked swing shift in a paper mill. And so we had that fire for hunting, but, you know, a lot of times dad's working nights or had to go in and work days. You know, it, it was me and my brothers hunting. So we had a fire for it, but we, we went out and we learned a lot on our own. And it, and it wasn't, you know, hunting in the 80s, for a kid hunting in the 80s, it's so much different now. And I, I did this with my own daughter. You know, we run cameras, you got food plots. It's, it's, a, it's a much more controlled environment. Now, whether that's immediate success, you know, it's still controlled a lot more than it was then. I, I mean, even if you did hunt with a parent back then, you, did, you weren't sitting with them. No, look, I, I remember seeing that big track with them two dew claws in the back, and we said, man, that's that big buck. That's, I mean, that's I right. Why, how do we know that was big buck? Why wouldn't the doe just run like her butt was set on fire? But we thought it was that she big was running buck. running because them eight walkers That's behind. right. That's right. I mean, yeah. but, but you know, that was the thing. And, and, and Marley and Avery, which is my two daughters, one's 16 and, and one's 12, but I care them. I, I, I show them now. You know, they got different things in life that they're doing. But when we go down to the camp, and we go down to their place. I mean, they're, you know, that place is is life to them. I mean, they, they you know, that's their land. So they're going to get, so I show them and I tell them and I go through things. That's probably boring to them. But they, I try to make it where they understand. Yeah. I get on their level and say, look, this is why we do this. This is why we, you know, this is why we take coons out because we're protecting that hen, you know, what there's a lot of information that that they don't know this daddy's trapping coons why is daddy trapping coons well daddy's trapping coons because he's protecting poults and hens for next year so that time invested in them i think that's the way we're going to recruit them into the sport not put them in a box stand let them shoot the biggest deer on the place yeah which i don't have a problem doing that no i don't either now but the uh but i think that's that that's not but how to recruit. We circle back to the purpose. That's right. To the purpose and, and answer answer Uncle Bill's question about why are you doing this? Why are you doing a podcast? Well, what do you know like what I mean? And, and so that's a big, that's a part of it. it. It's 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 sharing this knowledge because it doesn't do any good if I don't share it. Yeah. Well, there's only so much of it I can use. And even if I utilize all of it to the best of my ability, it's wasted if I don't share it. And especially if I see people doing things that I know they can do better. It's, you know, I won't say it's absolute wrong because there are a few absolutes, but, but when you know there's a better way and you know you can help out to, to not share it. Yeah, to share and recruit, I think, and not to make this too political, but, I mean, the hunting industry is, we're not doing a good job of recruiting people into, into the sport. And uh, it's something that I'm very passionate about and I want it to stick around. And even from, a, from more of a selfish standpoint, um, you know, Chris, you, you mentioned it. it. It felt early on 
when I first started, you know, buying my first few tracks of land, it was competitive. I was competing with my neighbors. I needed to have better habitat so I could hold more deer and and, and protect those deer to, to get to age. But now I'm, I'm starting to learn that if we can start creating that um, mentality mentality of the the neighbors influence what we're doing our tracks just as much and so to include them to to for them to learn and recruit and do better when the tide rises all the boats come up and yeah. i'm starting to 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 understand that more and more that the more we can recruit people into the mentality that we got and that you know give them the the opportunity to learn and and learn from the mistakes that we're making to make their places better and it only makes everything better yeah, well look we've said it and i've heard you say it and, and i've seen it when you're buying land you're buying that neighbor you're buying that so neighbor. the no value question. so much of the value in that piece of property that you either have and you want to sell or that you're looking at to buy so much of that value is dependent on that neighbor there's no doubt i the first thing i do when people show people ask me about properties and and then they ask me you know, I, I, I take a map and I look at the neighbors. I want to know, is it a timber company? I want to know, is it a place that's been split up 10 different ways? Because... Is it an ag? It, is, is it an, an ag? It's, I mean, you, you know, you look at, you buy your neighbors. And, and, and that's one of my biggest, well, I'll make a t-shirt say that. <laughs> and really, we got may have... Well, a, I, could, I could give Chris a map. He knows this country as good as anybody in the world, where the big bucks are, are killed and the, the places that you want to buy and that people dream of owning land yep. and get him to circle those areas in a map in our area. And then I promise you, I could take a, a, a different color magic marker and circle places that he didn't circle that are just like it from a soil type timber stamp but they don't produce the big the big deer and the reason is is because there is a cluster of of landowners in the area that have like-minded mentality that is the reason and so there's no reason this other place over here that i circled that they're not doing that can't do the same thing so it's a culture it's that so what it what it's taught me is that we can build that we can have that well we we hear about in this prime example what mitt was saying we we talk about the, the Knoxville River. Everybody think about Knox River killing big deer. So there was a piece of property for sale uh, down there, and a guy called me about it. And so I called the neighbor, and I said, "Hey, you know, are you interested in buying this piece of property?" Or, and he said, "Well, he said, I, you know, I don't know. He said, I think I may would sell mine. So you know, you have to ask." So I said, "Well, why?" He said, "Well, I can't keep the other neighbors off of me." <laughs> so I mean, it's yeah. just, you know, in and nothing would would bother you worse than than to have that happen, you know. But it's, it goes back to the information. If I didn't tell one thing about our podcast, I want listeners to get something out of. It. I don't want to be this grab tail, you know, to hear our own self talk, he hawing around. I mean, the, there's times. The stories the, are great. The look, stories look, are great. You're one look, of the best I, storytellers walking around. Look, but. <laughs> But we got to get some good, accurate, accurate, real life information. Yeah, That's you what can get a. He, he, I'm a. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and it's not you know from from golf, finance, hunting uh, across all kind of topics that interest me. But what I found, and this transcends topic, is that you're either gonna get you, you kind of pick whether you want something that's entertaining. Or you want something that's educational and, and, and value added. And it's very hard to find both. So 
that's a sweet spot we are we you know we aspire to be yeah, yeah. We, we, we want to be that but but really the overriding purpose is is man we've got a collective of information and i feel like we've got a duty well we got three different people putting it out there we got three different perspectives <clears throat> three unique perspectives and we're three all woodsmen we're all woodsmen in our own game i mean it's yep. uh you know i i'm a timber man i'm in the woods all the time but i asked brent if the if the oaks are dropping because i know he's already out there watching looking i guarantee now we're looking at we're probably in august and I guarantee Brent's done been out there ten times, walking in the woods, when when most people are 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 man I ain't going out because of snakes, but he's done looked. Yeah, look he, right before I hit record, I show admit I got spy point just sent me a couple of pictures. I, I put a, I got a cell camera. I got a spot where there's historic there's swamp chestnuts that drop every year in there. Some of them are going to be dropping, and and so I would go ahead and put a luckily with a cell camera I can put it in there early and just leave it. You can set it and forget it like that thermostat and, uh, or like that fire. That's right. That's a, that's a story for <laughs> yeah, another, that's another podcast. But, but, yeah, that's what we were just talking about. And that, that's, to Chris's point, that's three unique perspectives and, and three unique approaches at this that all lend to sort of a common goal and a common purpose. <clears throat> yeah, that's something else, too. And you said this a couple of weeks ago, Brent, and I, I won't forget it, is that is the people now that, that – are reaching out to you, whether it be coworkers or somebody at church, come up to you that hey, I, I caught one of those podcasts. I got a question for you, or let me hit you with this. Or what do you think about that? And I'm getting that too. And so what I'm it's giving me affirmation that sharing this knowledge and it's connecting us with so many more people. Um, that it's absolutely a networking value to it, no and, doubt. And, and, no and those things look aside from hunting. You know, well, those, friendship, that business, pays that's right. You, you, that value, that human value, is is uh, is it's hard to measure. Yep, I agree with that. Um, it, it's just a, um, you know, from where we, from where all three of us come from, we're pretty close in age. When we didn't have a population of deer to hunt, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, remember we was talking about. I, I remember sitting off the eighty-two bypass when they were building it in, in about eighty-six, and I sat there all year and saw three deer. Going back to you know how we're going to recruit, and especially my son, into the sport, I mean, I love it like no other. And I remember I'd sit a week, seven days wouldn't be anything for me to be on the deer stand. And not see a deer. And not see a deer. And, and look. Wearing them steel shank water boots. And, and your feet, feet cold. cold. Good night. Ooh. And now you hear about some of these kids, if they go to the deer stand don't see but eight, you know, they're disappointed. And so what was the difference between – us then that recruited us into the sport with the love that we have versus today. I'm in a, 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 a tireless yeah, mission and, to understand And that. you know what? This I think maybe we don't go too far down this trail today, but it really sets up for a good conversation about the dynamic or maybe even the paradox between the management practices. You know, we talk about intentionally managing and manipulating property, doing all these things intentionally to dictate the, the way, the utilization of this, of this land by deer. Let's just use deer, I mean deer and turkey. But, but a lot of things we're talking about, about are coming up through the 80s and, and in the 90s and, and, and hunting, hunting when it was harder and hunting tracts of land that were not improved. You know, we're hunting, I hunted, I, look, I, when I really got into bow hunting, I focused on funnels, transitions creek crossings creek crossings you know you, you you focus on those intersections and shifts that's that's kind of the way i looked at it in my mind that's, that's not technical terms but but where features met and where or where there was a crossing 
and and now if you take a track of land and you set it up and you do these things we're talking about with food plots and reducing pressure and all these things look i pressured the fire out of tracks of land you know scouting woods i may be i may have been in there three times a week you know there's a point of diminishing returns looking back you know i i learned a lot but i boogered up a lot of woods spending time in their scouting so there's there's definitely a dynamic there that we'll have to unpack and talk about but we recruited you to the sport but i love it that's right and and, and that 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 struggle early made me love it no doubt like my brother my older brother took me turkey hunting and i'm telling you there was a, there was about two years i was convinced that turkeys did not gobble and it was all a lie because he took me on death marches. Yeah, I, yeah, that's what it felt like. Just I had a face mask on. I've been walking four or five miles. Mosquitoes he tearing keeps, that onion he, up. He keeps hooting, but I swear I thought we were turkey hunting. He's blowing that crow call. And, and if it weren't for that, I don't know that I'd love it like I did or like I do. Because I can still remember that first time after all those times we stopped, after all those times we listened, he hooted and crow called and turkey called. When that sucker fired back, it set me on fire, and it hadn't gone out yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so there is something to that, that early on not having that success, but it runs a little bit counterintuitive to a lot of the things we talk about. Because, look, we're, I love habitat management. I love to listen to Mitt and Chris talk about habitat management. I love to go help y'all with it. But it runs a little bit counter to the things that made us love it. Well, you've got to love it first. Yeah, I mean everybody that's good at anything, whether it's tennis, baseball, football, they love it. They well, love it. They practice. No it. doubt. I don't. I, I'm gonna give you a little pushback on running counter, Brent. I really think it's more of an evolution. I think you have to go through the period that we all went through to be able to get to the spot that we're at right now. And yeah, I, I'll go. I'll go along with that. It may not be absolute counter because if you look at the guy now, the guy or the girl now that's say, let's say somebody reaches out to even one of y'all calls you up. Now they want to find their own place, and then they want to get into how can I improve this place, you know? And this is that's where maybe that is where that evolution is. And then yeah, I, I yeah. think that's I think that's more. Either way, it would be a fun one to unpack and talk about. That's right. Well, the past versus the future. I mean, it, it's it's really the what where we've evolved and where we, what we've done by enhancement. But I mean, I would give anything. I mean, I'm gonna tell you something. I sit a many a day out there and froze to death, not just hoping to see one. And I can carry my daughter at the same age, and she can see, see twenty five and eight or ten bucks. And and I mean, I remember one year I didn't see a buck all year. Seen that big foot with them two claws. Yeah. But it didn't just happen either. Now, it was no. a lot of work. You created that. So, you know, the, there's there's definitely value in that. That's not diminishing the value of it. Uh, so, that I guess if I had to sum up, you know, what my purpose is, it would be to educate and to recruit. And I don't necessarily mean recruit into the hunting side, but more, obviously, that's very important, but recruit into the mindset that we have on the management side. How can I set up a track to where it's got more turkeys and the, the, the turkey population is sustainable? How can, I, how can I recruit people into the mentality of setting their track up to where they're raising the, the age class of buck that they have on their track? That's, if we can educate and recruit that side of the mentality, 
I think that the hunting side will, will, will come. I think that we're going to recruit more people into the sport that have the love that we have for it. Um, and then when that happens, we're all going to get better. Yeah. What so I really would, like about the management side of it and what you're saying is to be that invested in management and improving a track, improving a herd, improving a property, you're a conservationist. You're not just a taker. You've got, you've got a, a vested interest in improving it and producing more than you take. And that's and what you're approaching it from a sustainability standpoint, yeah. you know, whether you say that, you know, and I think for generations, hunters have been doing it, but it really hadn't been verbalized that well because there wasn't, to be honest, there wasn't as much a concern about the sustainability of it. You know, you look at some of the conversations now, look, when, when, when CWD starts to poke up and, you know, separate your politics from it, however you may feel about it, but it's, you know, when it pops up, when, when, when you, the turkey numbers start start dwindling like they are and that, that's that's at the forefront now uh you really see the value in that conservationist and the people that aren't just taken you really hit a nerve right there with, with me brandon we actually have it already jotted down to talk about our, our the turkey situation and and some of the talk around it and, and maybe kick around some problems and some solutions but the bottom line we don't have some booger bear in the closet that's, or, that's jumped out on us that's taking our, our turkeys. It's, it's common sense. And if we could start understanding what our limiting factor is on our tracks and be more of a giver than a taker, I'm yep. telling you, the problem will go away. It will. And so if we can start addressing some of those issues, give people things to think about that maybe they didn't think about before, Again, when the tide rises, all the boats are going to come up. And this, this, these issues that you're talking about, whether it be our turkey population, recruiting people into the sport, it, it, it's going to start with education, sharing that education, and everybody doing their part. Right. And it's just it, it, it's, it's our way of life, and, it, and, and there's a lot of other people's way of life, too. I mean, we, we start looking at, you know, it, when the season starts changing, you start seeing everybody's yeah. changing that's right so so when uncle bill asked me why it's because i love it it's because i've got access to a collection i've got i've got me and some buddies that know a whole lot about it and have a lot to offer and i want to share it and this is a good platform to share it i agree i agree i think that's that's the main thing and and um like we said before if, if you've got questions and you need some answers on some stuff send it to us Brent, Brent, yeah, we're we're out of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a uh, people around here, especially know how to get in touch with us. But look, you may be in Arkansas, you may be in South Alabama. Uh, we're on social media, uh, the Woodsman Perspective, uh, the Woodsman Perspective at Gmail, I believe is the email. Uh, I might check it today now that I put it out there. But, <laughs> but social media is a quick way. Look, we try to be interactive and comment and reply, and, and uh, we look forward to the questions and the input and. and it's been fun. It's going to be fun. Yep. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, look, we appreciate y'all listening. Uh, if you're on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you are, give us five stars. Give us a review. Tell your friends about it. Hit subscribe. And uh, we'll see you in the woods. Appreciate you. Behind you to your right. That old man could shoot him with that 30-30.
He he t- turned around and forgetting his knee in that thing. Remember they sent a little old v- VHS video of of a tree lounge, and I bet he shot twenty five deer in that in that intro video. Just Ooh, him and his wife. Right. He'd show her laying up in a tree, <laughs> eating a can of potted meat, and say, "You don't have to get down here." I mean, he was force feeding them, son. <laughs> it, it, it's just like you in your recliner at the house deer hunting. It was. It was a, Shit, never, it was a big, never it was a big thing for, for about a year. <laughs> I don't know how many they sold, but not enough, I don't guess. You got one somewhere. 